0: It's Kevin, and I want to welcome you to episode 122 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Hey, it's a beautiful day as I sit here recording, and I hope it's a beautiful day in your life as we embark on this time together. Once again, I'm seizing the opportunity for us to have a one-on-one conversation. So grab a beverage or lean into the exercise or the walk, the run, whatever it is you're doing. There have been plenty of things that are filling my heart and mind, and I just want to share with you, and I am always grateful and appreciative that you choose to listen to this podcast. So before we get started, let me just say we're closing in on the end of a calendar year and along with it, the onset of the holidays. If you're listening to this right around the release date, it's the week of Thanksgiving here in the United States. Thanksgiving is a time of celebration. It it includes parades and feasts. Families and friends gather to eat. Did I mention it's a time of feasting? I mean, that's like what so many people think of Thanksgiving, and there is a lot of indulgence and overindulgence around the food tables. Many people watch football. A few actually play football. And then there's Black Friday on the day that follows Thanksgiving, but I don't even want to talk about that. Let's not go there. Thanksgiving, it's a long-standing tradition here in our country, and it's a time to reflect and give thanks for the abundance of the blessings that we have, for our freedoms, our safety, and our tranquility. And those are words penned by George Washington back in 1789, talking about freedoms, blessings, safety, and tranquility. So as I think about Thanksgiving, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast, whether you're listening for the first time, the 50th time, or the 100th time, or the 122nd time, thank you. I'm grateful for you, for the time we share, for the community we share as a result of this. So speaking of gratitude, you know, I always like to ground these conversations in the good, fertile soil of gratitude. So whether you and your country officially observe Thanksgiving this week, expressing gratitude is always a good thing to do. So what are you grateful for in this moment? Well, we've just wrapped up our fifth 10-day gratitude challenge, and that just spurs so much gratitude in my heart, in my life. That means that we've now had about 1,500 people from 50-plus or about 50 countries join us for one or more of these gratitude challenges and it's just always remarkable. It always just puts me into an overflow mode of gratitude. I'm grateful for how you and others respond and keep responding to the gratitude challenge and ask for other challenges. Hey, speaking of other challenges, this is just kind of a, you know, a side note here. We've got another new one planned and it's going to be fun. And it's just about to start. It's called the Joy Challenge. It starts on Monday, December 9th. So when you hear this, you can now sign up and register to join us. It's going to be 12 days of joy. Each day for 12 days, we'll provide a simple challenge designed to unleash and amplify joy in your life and joy in the world around you. You can join us by going to the Joy Challenge. The community, And you know why we use the .community domains. Because joy is another thing that is experienced better together. And there's nothing stopping you from joining us in the joy challenge. We're going to host it as a pay what you will challenge. You can pay any amount of money that you want to, including free. So we want to see more joy in the world and more joy in your life, and we want to make sure that finances, that resources are not a barrier to you participating with us. Now, back to today's topic, back in episode 120. So last week, episode 121, I had my friend, Cornell Thomas, my new friend, Cornell Thomas, join us. And wow, was that an energizing conversation. But the week before in 120, I started exploring and unpacking this idea of looking at 2020, not as just the start of a new year. Instead, I'm encouraging you to look at it, to embrace 2020 for what it truly is, the start, the beginning of a new decade. And what I'm calling and what I'm inviting you to call with me, A Decade of Difference. And I'm just having so much fun with the resonance that Decade of Difference is having with so many of you. The conversations we are enjoying. And I'm hosting several conversations, one-on-one, and now some small group conversations around this Decade of Difference. And more about that before we sign off here. But today's conversation, it builds on that, at least in a way. It's bigger than that because what we're talking about today is about all of life, not just a decade, but all of life for you and me. Now, you may find this a bit strange. Of course, you may think me a bit strange. And when you hear this, you may think me stranger even. But the idea struck me weekend before last. I was watching a college football game. Actually, it was the Alabama LSU game, to be exact, I should probably say it was the LSU-Alabama game because LSU owned that game. But here's the comment that I heard the commentators make that captivated my attention. They mentioned it, that it was a historic crowd assembled at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. Now, in case you don't know, That's the home of the University of Alabama. So LSU comes to Alabama and, you know, beats them on home territory. But the comment they made was that it was a record crowd, over 100,000 people crammed into the arena to watch the game. And then millions more watching online or watching, you know, in their homes or at their favorite sports bar or at a friend's house. So hundreds of thousands, millions of people watching the game. So here's the question. Do you ever have this happen? You hear or read a phrase, and suddenly your mind is activated. Maybe it's captivated. Well, that's what happens to me. I hope you do, because I hope I'm not the only one that has this. But it happens to me, and it happens a lot. So as I watched the game, I couldn't escape the fact that over 100,000 people were jammed into the stands to watch 22 players Okay, sometimes there were 23 because there were a couple of times Bama got caught with an extra player on the field. But basically, in the game of American football, there are 22 players in the arena or on the field at any one time. Everybody else is somewhere else, either watching the action, waiting to get in on the action, commentating on the action or documenting the action for others, or isolated from the action or missing out on the action. And in case you're wondering, what does any of this have to do with higher purpose or living or leading an extraordinary life? Just stick with me. I hope you'll see that real clearly in just a few moments. But the seeds were planted and the wheels in my brain were churning that afternoon. But I returned to watching the game and then it was the next morning, Sunday morning, when those thoughts returned and then just activated and expanded some more. So here for me, at least, is the connection. If you are committed to living a life of purpose or living, loving, and leading an extraordinary life, and I believe you are or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, there's only one place where that happens for you and for me. Do you know where that is? And no, it's not Bryant-Denny Stadium. No, it's in the arena. And I hope that phrase, in the arena, rings a bell for you. I want to echo that just a moment. So there's a speech that was called the man in the arena speech. Well, that's how we call it now. That's not what it was originally called. The speech was originally delivered by President Theodore or Teddy Roosevelt in 1910 in Sorbonne, France. Now, at that time, it had the much less sexy title of citizenship in a republic. It was originally a 35-page speech. Now, tucked away about a fifth of the way through the speech, page seven of 35, we find this notable and now famous passage, and I quote, it's not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself or herself in a worthy cause, who at the best, knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Close quotes. Wow, what a passage. And to think, to think that was 110 years ago. Those words were first shared. So, I mean, that's just a wow, 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 a triple wow for me when I hear that speech. It's remarkable. And it's remarkable because it gets remarked on again and again, still 110 years later. This one speech has inspired countless individuals. I even know a company that took their mission and their name from this speech, Dare Mighty Things. One of the most popular books of the past decade drew its title from this speech. Perhaps you've read Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Perhaps you thought Brene Brown coined the term Daring Greatly. Actually, it was Theodore Roosevelt. Here's my premise and why we're talking about this today. To live an extraordinary life. To lead in extraordinary ways, to make a decade of difference, which is something I hope you're committed to. All of that happens in the arena. So, the question that ran through my mind that Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning, and ever since, the question that I ask myself and I want to ask you is Are you in the arena? And if you're not in the arena, where are you and why you might be thinking you got this from watching a football game <laughs> well yeah at least that was the catalyst that launched this line of thinking at that moment so let me share with you some of the thoughts of places that just stirred in my mind more that sunday morning but it came from watching saturday afternoon these are places you may be if you're not in the arena and i want to unpack explore a few of the reasons you may be there. So as I said, I started watching the game. I noticed that there were a hundred thousand plus jammed in the stands, and then there are thousands or millions of more watching the game somewhere else. All of those people, including me that day, they were not active participants in the arena. No, they were in the stands. They could have had the best seats in the stadium, right there on the 50-yard line, or they were in a luxury corporate skybox. Heck, they could have even been in the last row of the nosebleed section. The point's the same. They weren't on the field. They were a spectator. And even if you were at home, armchair quarterbacking the game from the comfort of your home, Or if you're surrounded with your friends at a friend's house or at your favorite sports bar, you're still a spectator. You're not on the field. And here's the point. Life is not a spectator sport. Life is meant to be lived in the arena. You know, oftentimes at games, you'll see the camera crew pan the audience and land on some celebrity that's there. And some of those may be political celebrities. As a matter of fact, President Trump was at the game and boy, that was a fast pan over President Trump and first lady. But oftentimes the cameras lock on a past hero of the game that's now in the stand. You know, somebody that played the game and they were renowned for their expertise on the field, but now they are. Retired. Or maybe they're a celebrity from some other field, but they're in the stand watching what's happening in the arena. So if you're sitting in the stands watching the game of life as others live it, I just gotta tell you, now is the time to change. Stop being a spectator. Suit up, get on the field, become a participant. So, you know, the stands, spectators, that's one place people may be rather than being in the arena on the field. There are a few more places I want to explore. One of those is the parking lot. You know, I didn't know this was such a big deal until I started attending a couple of games. I'm not a big sports fan, but I have attended a few games. And here in the U.S., I don't know about other parts of the world, but here in the U.S., People spend more time before the game at the tailgate parties than the actual game. They may show up hours in advance, and they're partying in the parking lot. So there's some people that just go and party in the parking lot. They never actually go into the game. They just enjoy it from the parking lot. Maybe some people get stuck in traffic because they just didn't plan accordingly, don't get there on time, so they're stuck in the parking lot. Others, maybe they just couldn't get a ticket, and they show up hoping to score a ticket on site and be able to get them in the game. But there are others that are just there for the party, and they just stay in the parking lot. They may watch it on their phone or digital device or even a television. They watch the game. But they're not in the game. They're not in the arena. They're not on the field. They're not even in the stands. Once again, they're spectators and they're missing out on the real action. Now, there's another place as I thought about this and watch the game, the bench. Now, who's on the bench? Well, OK, if you knew me when I was a kid and played sports, I was always on the bench and it wasn't waiting my turn. The only time I got in on the game is like if everybody else was hurt, put out, or if we were like 30 runs ahead and they're like, hey, we can put Kevin in now. It's okay. Put Kevin in. No, but on the bench on games like this are a bunch of players who are part of the team. They've gone to every practice. They've learned the plays. They know the drills. They've dressed out. They've shown up, but they're on the bench. Now, some of those on the bench are special players that are on what here in the States they call special teams. These special players only take the field when their certain skills are needed. They may be the specialist like the kicker, the punter. They may be the guy that returns the ball from a punt or a kickoff. So they only see action in the arena when it's their turn to contribute. But then there are all the others on the bench who are backup players. You know, the second or third string players as I said, I'm on there. They've participated in all the practices. They're ready to play, and they're just waiting for the coach to turn, look them, tap them, or they're running up to the coach, saying, "Hey, coach, put me in, put me in. Now's my time. I'm ready. Let me add them, all right? Maybe you can relate. Maybe you feel this way about the game of life, that you feel you're on the bench because you feel that you are not first string, that you're second or third string, that there are others who are in the spotlight and you're just waiting for your time. Maybe you've paid your dues. You're just waiting to be picked. You're waiting for your number to be drawn out of the lottery or to get your assignment. What I want to say or invite you is, hey, don't get too comfortable sitting on the bench because you know where you really want to be is on the field in the arena. Get ready. Your time is coming. So there's another place where players go that keeps them off the field or out of the arena. This place is the locker room. The locker room is where players go when they have been injured or disabled. Hey, they were on the field. They were in the game. They were in the arena. But something happened that sought to take them out. Maybe it was a hit from another player. It could have been a low blow, you know, what they call targeting or somebody attempting to take them out. Or it could have just been an accident. But now they're in the locker room with the trainers, the physicians, hoping that their injury is not serious or trying to convince the trainers or physicians or maybe even themselves that they are fit enough to return to the arena. I want to explore this part of the analogy. And you do know that there are no such things as perfect analogies, that sooner or later all analogies break down. But if you've been hurt or wounded while in the arena, It may have sidelined you and you are sitting it out, possibly even licking your wounds. And when I say that, I don't want there to be any judgment because trust me, I've been there. I've known really difficult failure. And there were times that I thought it was over for me. I thought I had had my one chance and I missed it. I blew it. And then I was destined to be in the locker room. If you feel that way, I just want to say, no, 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 no. In the game of life, it's simply not true. As long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And I'm going to repeat that. As long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. If you're living and breathing today, there is a contribution you have to offer the world. So get back in the arena. Now, when you get back, you may not be playing in the big leagues. There may not be anybody sitting in the stands watching you, cheering you on. But that really doesn't matter. Just get in the game. Now, nowadays, there's another reason some players end up in the locker room. I'll talk about that next here. but it's because they were ejected from the game, right? In hockey... That's called the penalty box. But sometimes players, I mentioned targeting a moment ago, here in the States, if a player targets, as there was often in a game, that player is immediately ejected from the game and goes to the locker room to watch the rest of the game. The penalty box is reserved for those who were in the arena, but either didn't follow the rules or were suspended from action for some period of time. Maybe they were just overzealous. Perhaps they thought they could get ahead by cutting corners or maybe even taking a cheap shot at an opponent. So no matter how desperately they want to get back in the game, for now, they have to sit it out and await their turn. Or in the case of college football and targeting, they have to wait till the next game. They're just thrown out for the rest of the game. That happens in other sports as well. Hey, maybe you felt this way at times, that you were in the game, and maybe you took a shortcut. Maybe you got bad advice. Maybe you made a bad decision. Gosh, you know, it's even possible that you had a character flaw that rendered you ineligible, and now you feel disqualified. Let me just tell you again, that is not the case. You can get back in the game. Because as I said before, as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Now, there's another place, and there are others. This is not an exhaustive list. Some of you can probably add to this, and I'd love to have that conversation. So if if there's something I'm missing here, feel free to send it to me. Share it with me. But here's the other one that I find very interesting, the press box. The press box. That's where the reporters sit and cover the game. It doesn't matter whether they're covering the game for the local newspaper, the regional radio, National television, many commentators even have celebrity status and may have been a star of the past. But for now, they are not in the arena. They get to report on the play by play action, but they are not part of the action. You know, and sometimes as I'm listening, I hear the yearning of the commentator, how they wish they could get back in the game. Well, as I said before, in the game of life, there is no retirement. There is no point at which you've passed your prime and been replaced by the young upstarts or the rookies. I've said it twice already. I'll say it one more time. As long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Get in the arena. You may go back as a coach or a mentor, but get in the arena. Well, maybe there's somewhere else that you are at at this moment that's not one of these places I talked about, but you know that it's not in the arena. As I said, this isn't an exhaustive list, and I also said it once already, all analogies break down at some point. But my point is this, and I hope you hear this, as this year comes to a close, as perhaps you have some downtime during the holidays or over a weekend. I want to ask you to pause and ponder and ask the question personally. Am I in the arena, the arena of life? If not, find out what's keeping you out of the arena. Now, I know this about you. I know this about you, that you want to live, work, flourish in the arena. It's your destiny. It's your DNA. It's where you will live. In the arena is where you will live your decade of difference and make your dent in the universe. Hey, we'll talk more about that in an upcoming episode. But before we go, let's return to Roosevelt one more time. I want to read this again. It's not Because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. Hey, I just have to pause right there a moment. Do you hear that? Right? So many times you and me have beat ourselves up because of our shortcomings, because of our errors, because of our faults, because of things we have interpreted as failure. Hey, stay in the arena. You come up short again and again. There is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends him or herself in a worthy cause. I hope you get to experience this, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he or she fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his or her place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. You may be marred by dust. You may feel like you are beat up and down for the count. You may feel disqualified by bad decisions you've made that cost you. They may have cost you dearly, but at least you are in the arena. And if you fail, you will fail daring greatly. Hey, I want you to be in the arena. I want you to be living your best life and making a decade of difference. If this resonates with you and you want to talk with someone and you don't have anyone to talk to or you want to talk with me. Hey, you know, you can do that. You can email me. You can text me. You can phone or you can book a call. Email address Kevin at com. Call or text at 678 744 or go to com slash 2020 to book your Decade of Difference call. Hey, until we connect again, I want to encourage you to keep daring greatly in the arena because that is where you and me live, love, and lead with purpose. Thanks for joining me. What could 10 days of gratitude do for you? Find out what hundreds of people have experienced and make a change that can last a lifetime at the gratitudechallenge.community because it's better when we do things together.